Welcome to Inside, the insurance news podcast hosted by me, Andrew Sorkos. In this week's edition of Inside, we don flight jackets, tweak our bushy moustaches, iron our camouflage gear and shout bombs away as terms of reference have been released for a government's inquiry into last year's floods. The ACCC has come out guns a-blazing and shot down Suncorp's plans to sell their bank division. ASIC will tell anyone who'll listen they love the smell of napalm in the morning. They're also talking tough on enforcement. To be honest, I thought that was the movie with Catherine Zeta-Jones until I clicked on the article. And Gallagher Ree feels the need. But it's not the need for speed. It's the need for the lesser known InsureTech. Hello, everyone. This week, I'm joined by the big guns. Senior journalists Miranda Maxwell and Bernice Han, Deputy Editor Wendy Pugh, Editor John Deeks, and Chairman Terry McMullen. Good morning, Terry. Good morning. Or should I say generalissimo? <laughs> well, the way we're going at the moment, you may as well. <laughs> Hello, Bernice. Hi, Andrew. Would you follow Terry into battle? I would. <laughs> oh, Bernice, that's so sweet. Excellent. Hello, John. Hello. Hey, John, can you handle the truth? Probably not, no. <laughs> I appreciate your honesty. <laughs> Hello, Miranda. Hi, Andrew. What are you? You like John? Can you handle the truth? Probably not, if I'm honest. I did like the movie, though. <laughs> and good morning, Wendy. Good morning, Andrew. Unfortunately, I've run out of all of my war movie quotes. So I was preparing myself, too. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, maybe I'll ask you a different question. Wendy, Terms of Reference has been released for the government's inquiry into insurers' response to last year's floods, but some bombs could be headed our way. Yes, I mean, the inquiry has been referred to the Standing Committee on Economics and it's going to hold uh, public hearings in the areas affected by last year's floods. And then after hearing all the input from various parties, it's going to deliver its final report in the third quarter next year. So the terms of reference include the experiences of policyholders um, making claims, obstacles to resolving claims, communication, policyholder access to hydrology reports, affordability, internal dispute resolution processes and and also the impact of land use planning decisions and mitigation effects on, on availability and affordability. So it's pretty broad. But, you know, separate to that, consumer groups have today, uh, this week anyway, put out a report focusing on uh, home and co contents insurance and calling for action to deliver improvements and providing cover for um, extreme weather events. And they're highlighting things such as too much complexity in products and not, information, not enough information on risks facing individual properties and recognition of mitigation efforts taken by homeowners in pricing and a range of other things. So it, you know, it really does set the scene too for, for how things are probably going to play out with the inquiry. Well, Terry, Pull out your crystal ball. How do you see this playing out? Well, I always worry about parliamentary committees because there's, there's always a an opportunity there to grandstand and to make statements that are aimed more at the media than the truth. But maybe we, we'll see the reality fog that's been hanging around this situation for far too long actually lift. We, we all know that increasingly destructive weather catastrophes happening in Australia, but I do wonder if how many Australians really think about the fact that we've got heat waves, floods, windstorms, drought, hailstorms happening all over the world, all setting new records. 
And every large-scale catastrophe that's ever hit anywhere has resulted in problems for insurers. Uh, there are always issues around the time taken to finalise property claims, for example, much less for such things as vehicles. So there are going to be tales of woe and mistakes made, but it, I hope it's not going to be like the Hain Royal Commission. Insurers really have very little to apologise for and some strong points to make about the sheer number of claims, the growing impacts of climate change, the ongoing curse of governments and councils that allow communities to build on floodplains, and the need for mitigation projects. So all of which is why flood insurance in, partic in particular is so damned expensive. And I expect the words insurance pool will crop up quite a lot. So good luck to us. Well, Miranda, Gallagher-Ree's latest report on InsureTech is out. What does it tell us about the segment? Yes, Gallagher-Ree puts this out every three months, so you can really sort of see the trends. It's um, helpful. This time, quarterly InsureTech funding was down 34% and just below a billion dollars. That's for globally. It's always managed to pass a billion dollars every quarter for three years. So this time, it's a fairly modest number. And it compares with 42 billion US dollars that was invested in insurance startups in the decade to 2021, most of which no longer trade. This quarter, average deal size fell 16%, and the US, UK, India, and France dominated early stage investment. The report really makes a few points very clearly. One is that Insutechs really need to prove their commercial value if they're going to attract funding. And they can't just offer technology as a product. So the funding trends are actually influencing the nature of InsuTechs that are cropping up now. The other point is that investors willing to invest now understand the industry better. They understand the long sales cycle of insurance. They have a lot more patience. They're prepared to stick around for the long haul and not just expect the impossible like some early investors did. So really, Gallagher-Ree is quite positive despite that fall in overall funding and says we've reached a more sustainable and realistic level after some very expensive lessons from sacrificial lambs. And it says there's still funding there. It's just more of a flight to maturity and investors want proof of recurring revenue and uh, we won't see those crazy valuations that we saw a few years back. Well, as the bubble bursts or just evolated, John, should we still be excited? Yeah, I think we can still be excited about InsureTech. You know, there are a lot of challenges in, in insurance and technology offers a lot of solutions. But what this report probably shows is that we've kind of come through an initial stage where everyone got overexcited and things were perhaps overhyped. And now we're heading into a more realistic phase where Sensible, sensible ideas can still progress, but maybe we need to let go of this idea that the industry can transform overnight and focus more on the fact that with consistent effort and investment, these sort of exciting changes are still possible. As we've seen with AI, technology is still progressing at pace and opening up real opportunities in insurance for those brave enough to take them. Well, as we reported in a breaking news bulletin last week, Wendy Suncorp isn't happy after the ACCC stamped on the deal for it to sell its bank to ANZ. Suncorp says it's surprised and disappointed by the ACCC's decision, and it says it remains 
convinced it's in the best interest of customers, shareholders, employees, the community in general, and won't have negative competition impacts. But the ACCC raised concerns about issues in the, the home loan market and also specifically SME and agribusiness banking in Queensland. And it said while it could see benefits to ANZ and Suncorp from the plan, it, it didn't think that those um, outweighed the likely detriments. So, um, so you know, now Suncorp and ANZ are, are looking to appeal to the uh, Australian Competition Tribunal. Well, how much does this matter, Terry? And does Suncorp still have a chance of pushing it through? Well, the pundits say they have a good chance with, with the appeal as being chaired by a high court judge, but then judges don't always like to, to change decisions made by other people. But Suncorp says it's now aiming for finalisation next year, but the, the legal experts are being a lot more cautious. The ACCC decision was kind of odd after they'd waved through similar acquisitions in the past by other big four banks. For Suncorp, it, it can look like it's been a waste of a lot of time. There's a, a lot more room to to move. And I, I do think of the fact that shareholders would be pretty disappointed in the result and think what they could do with that amount of money playing around in the insurance space. So I, could, I can see that Suncorp will push hard for a review. Well, talking about, push, about pushing hard, ASIC is talking tough on enforcement, Bernice. What do insurers need to watch out for? Pricing is one. Uh, we've seen ASIC cracking down on the industry when it comes to pricing failures, and ASIC is not about to slow down. Um, so in its latest enforcement report, ASIC actually lists failures by uh, general insurance providers as an area of focus. And we've seen what that means for the industry. Um, IAG was penalised $40 million over its failures to honour discount promises. So all in um, systemic pricing failures would result in about 850 million in repayments to affected customers. Uh, another area is insurers should look into if they haven't already is their compliance with design and distribution obligation laws. So essentially, ASIC is considering more action in the form of a sales ban on products that are poorly designed and uh, offer poor consumer value. And the tough talk from ASIC should not really surprise anybody. I mean, it's been given more resources and powers to without misconduct after the Hain Royal Commission, and it's doing just that. We've had a lot of regulatory change in recent years, Terry. Are those that haven't kept up about to pay the price? The whole business of keeping the regulators well fed with information and uh, I guess all the new rules, it's almost a sub-industry now. If you can't keep up ASIC, can cause companies pretty severe financial damage, as IAG discovered in June with that $40 million fine over pricing issues. There was a time when ASIC gave companies time to fix their failings, but in recent years, they've been much more inclined to use their big stick, which is the courts. By the way, ASIC said in June that ongoing pricing failures, not just by IAG, but by general insurers, will see them paying $815 million out. So, you know, yeah, really, we, we do have to stay on top of, of regulation or it hurts. Well, finally, John, John Trowbridge has had his say again on broker commissions. What's his view? Yes, that's right. So as uh, listeners will know, we've reported uh, on the issue of the, the NEBA code and the, the fact that the latest version of the, the uh, broker code of practice has been tweaked to restrict 
uh, disclosure requirements on commissions to retail clients. Uh, there's no obligation in law or in the code as it stands for brokers to tell commercial clients whether they are getting a commission and if so, how much it is. Now, John Trowbridge, who most people know is an expert industry consultant, he did a report for the Insurance Council two years ago on commercial insurance. And one of his recommendations was that all commissions should be declared to commercial customers as well as retail clients. He believed back then that the lack of disclosure is an impediment to open debate and greater trust. And he told us last week that he stands by that recommendation and there's no reason in his view to treat commercial customers, especially smaller ones, differently to retail customers. Now, I have seen some brokers commenting on this story on LinkedIn and um, some of them are saying, you know, in this country, there are a lot of walks of life where retailers uh, don't declare profits or commissions to customers. You go, you go and buy a Coke from McDonald's, for example, and you don't know how much Macca's is making on it. You might go and buy a bed and the salesman's earning a commission in the bed shop and you don't have any idea how much they're getting. So the argument is that, you know, unless everyone else is going to do it, why should we do it? Now, I don't, I don't know if that argument, I get the point, but I'm not sure the comparison does brokers many favours. You know, brokers aren't just sellers of insurance. They position themselves as trusted advisors working in the best interests of the client. And I guess that's why some people believe commissions that are paid to the broker by the insurer should be declared. Yeah, brokers are a bit different to McDonald's workers and supermarkets, aren't they, Terry? Yeah, they certainly are. And it's it, yeah, you can't you can't make that comparison. But I do agree with with John Trowbridge, or both Johns really. Um, look, this subject has been around for as long as I've been insurance, which is a very long, long time. And the arguments are every bit as old. Other intermediaries in other parts of financial services sectors are already having to reveal how much their services cost the customers. And brokers have only recently had a victory on whether they could receive commissions at all. And now we're back to the old arguments against disclosure. Brokers as a whole are a lot more professional today than they were 32 years ago, and they have every right to charge for their services, and they can justify their commission by providing a great professional service. Yay, there's an up. You know, Brokers may as well start thinking about how they're going to deal with this because the trend in financial services regulation everywhere is all for the customer's right to transparency in their financial dealings. And really, that would include disclosure of commissions. And I don't think for one minute that the regulators are going to deviate from that line. Well, that brings us to the end of this week's Insight podcast by Insurance News. Thank you once again to our panel, Wendy Pugh, Benice Han, John Deeks, Terry McMullen and Miranda Maxwell. Enjoy your week and thank you all for listening. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at editor at insurancenews.com.au. We value your input. You can read all these stories and many others at your leisure at insurancenews.com.au. You can subscribe to the Inside Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google and all your favourite podcast platforms now. We look forward to catching up again next week.